0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both
1: in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama sisterhood around the world So whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you
0: find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you
1: are not alone. Hi, mamas, and welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and Ashley. Ashley, it's so good to see you.
0: (laughs) So good to see you. What sweatshirt are you wearing, by the way?
1: I'm wearing your braver than you feel. Um,
0: Oh, it looks green in your camera.
1: Well, that would be because while um, my camera isn't very high quality, the fabric and meaning behind our Walking Letter of Hope Day collection is.
0: Mm, What a, what a, (laughs) that was a beautiful twist. It was. You should really, you should become a part of our marketing editorial team.
1: I think that no one wants that. But I also think (laughs) that um, it's a wonderful time of year up in the Midwest because the Leaves are turning, it's getting cooler. So now I can pull out all of my Dear Nikki Mama sweatshirts that I've shoved at the back of my closet. And so now I get to wear them again, I'm so excited.
0: It is a wonderful time of year. It makes me so happy.
1: It, it, it makes me happy, too. Well, today, as you listeners know, sometimes we have the pleasure of interviewing experts in the field of neonatology, maternal mental health, obstetrics, and other times we have the fabulous opportunity to hear the stories of moms and parents just like you. And that's what we have today. We have Paola here. She is a mom to Mateo. Um, they have an incredible story. Uh, she has a wonderful Instagram account where you can follow along on his journey I think they're incredibly inspirational and we're so glad that you're here welcome
2: hi how are you so happy to be here
0: You are the cutest. I was telling before um, Martha hopped on, I got to like low-key meet Mateo via (gasps) the camera. And I felt like I was meeting a celebrity. I was like, it is Mateo, the little boy that I love on Instagram, is looking at me through the screen. So it was just fun to see him like outside of my little box on Instagram and in front of my camera. And he is even sweeter in person. He is such a little
1: honey.
2: Oh, thank
1: you Mm. I'm incredibly jealous. I want to see cute babes. (laughs)
2: i'd be honored to be here with you girls so i'm so happy and excited that share my stories um about these past years
0: we are super excited as well and we want to just reiterate that we understand the courage that it takes to kind of go to the very beginning to now and kind of relive all of those moments and so it truly is our honor and we're so grateful for your vulnerability and willingness to share your story with our community so thank you again for being here today. You're welcome.
1: So we like to start these journeys at the very beginning because where else do you go but we'd love to hear how did you find out that you were pregnant with Mateo?
2: Uh, To start, I'm going to say that I became pregnant in November of 2017. But to be honest, I was truly surprised because in September, just two months prior, I had a a miscarriage. So Mm -hmm. you can say that Mateo, it's a rainbow baby. And for those who Mm -hmm. may not be familiar with the rainbow baby, the rainbow baby that brings lied but by no means replaced at the angel baby uh mm-hmm. in the time between the miscarriage and my pregnancy so many doubts came into my mind my mind so thinking about what's going on what i what i don't get pregnant because i have another son mm-hmm. he's now he's 17 but at the time it was it was 12 years old um mm-hmm. And then again, as a born and raised as a Catholic, my faith, my faith was uh, would whisper in to my heart, saying, "What's what's going on with my body?" So, the mis- but the miscarriage was was a message from God that telling me that it was just not a time for us. It was um, fast. Fast forward, it was eight weeks, and I discovered uh, Mateos was on my womb, um, and I confirmed the message I brought from the other miracle, right? Mm. Uh, Our our blessing was was growing already in my womb, like I said.
1: That's beautiful. I'm I'm thank you for sharing that so much Paula. I'm so sorry for your loss. We have some angel mamas and rainbow mamas on the phone here and we know how deeply painful that is. But um how that connection to those losses also can bring you great hope to you know that that must have been very exciting and to have such a such an age gap too with a 15 or 12 year old at the time um it mu- were you nervous at all to be have to think about having a baby again
2: yes yes um because <laughs> it, it, that means that we're gonna start all over again uh, again, battles, no sleep, um, but a ba- to having a baby is a truly blessing. So, and, and honestly, my other son, he asked me for a big brother, for another brother, uh, for a long time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not, and I'm like, I, how can I explain him It's not depend on me, so. <laughs> it's not depending on <laughs> what I want.
1: Yeah. Oh, that is, it is really hard. Um and oh my gosh, seventeen! First of all, you look incredible, you look great. I just have a four year old, and I feel like I I step out of a war zone. You look you look gorgeous. So that's oh, that you. was sounds like it was really exciting, but nerve wracking overall. What was the pregnancy like? How um was did you carry pregnancy well? Did you have any complications early on?
2: My pregnancy was just beautiful as the first one because Matteo is a second child. And I was in love with relieving and with re-experiencing the extraordinary feeling that comes with the miracle of having another life in my womb. So I enjoy watching my bro, my belly. I enjoy feeling the kicking. I I, I don't know how to describe because i'm asked for for a long years for years i'm asked for another baby but the miracle was there already so i was preparing to bring a new life into this world i was incredibly grateful for that with my older son and my husband by my side all the time and we just cherished the moment when the baby started kicked and how with each passion with eight with each passing day we were closing to meet him
1: mm. <laughs> that sounds really beautiful yeah. and um uh, it's lovely, too, that you were able to share that with your son, you know, to have an, an older child who really understands what's going on. That must have been lovely, too. So, was the NICU something that ever crossed your mind, or had you heard of it before?
2: Honestly, no. I heard before about the NICU, but my understanding was a NICU was a place for a premature babies because Mm -hmm. uh before mateo i don't know and i don't know nobody to to, nobody who was passing through the NICU or staying in the NICU so that's why my my knowledge about it it was very limited my idea of the NICU did not expand beyond it uh, being a place for babies who were will, who will, uh, born on a long term too, like Mateo. Um, until he born, honestly, it, it was um, it was not an idea to cross my mind.
1: You bring up a, such a good point. I feel like it's always something that happens to other people, not you. And also i i totally nicu equals premature always in that's to, to the large amount of people who hear about nicu for sure. So, was your pregnancy ever considered high risk? The way you described it it sounded sounded like you were healthy, you felt him moving a lot, you were very connected to him.
2: Um when I was 16 weeks, I had my first uh, ultrasound, and it was measure ultrasound. And my oldest son was with us because his, mm-hmm. he it was a um, birthday gift to come with us oh. for uh, Cute. meet his brother. And uh, the checkup apparel. Uh, normal at first. I was feeling very excited, my family feeling was feeling very excited too, especially because I was anxious to see Christopher. My other son is Christopher, his name is Christopher, so I wanna see his reaction. But the technicians did her exploration and she just excused herself out of the room. And she came back with uh, the other. Uh, she came back with the doctor along. Uh, the doctor was carrying a big, big book on his hands, and he abruptly began to speak about the initial findings. That excitement was uh, filling it quickly. Turn into a shock and a fear about what we're gonna hear. Um, but the bad thing right there, it was this scenario because without any consideration of my youngest sons right there, he started talking and he was listening to the doctor and his medical terminology described belong the average size baby with indication of short legs and arms obviously sign of club feet, abnormal development of his kidneys hurt and his spine every word that doctor spoke out of his mind, I'm sorry, spoke out of his, his mouth, uh, was like a blow to the stomach. It was,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'm sorry, but I, I, as I, it's okay. as I'm, as I'm continued to talking, so the feelings just came mm-hmm. in. Um, Absolutely. So, the final knockout, the, the knockout was when came through his mouth that the option of the termination of pregnancy and I, I turned to my son to see his face um, who was without saying a word he w- he was looked so in shock, scared, and I was in shock too, but I cannot show in my feelings right there because I was mm. thinking what happened? what happened with my other with my other son what he's coming coming through right now. Um at that point we we understand that the pregnancy just turned into a high risk. And we asked for a second opinion. I want a bunch of opinions, more multiples, but the result just added more concerns because there there was more concerns than the original findings. And I, mm-hmm. I, uh, that was the moment on this after the, the other opinions when I asked myself why? But why me? But at the same time, I am answering my own questions with why not, why not me? why not us why should this happen to someone else and not me so this could happen to anyone because no one is exempt and needless to say after having heard the diagnostic diagnostic I'm sorry the mortality statics associated with pregnancies of this degree and being presented by the little to not probability to giving this baby a decent quality of life or choice wise was easy so we were to continue with the pregnancy. The medical appointments were more frequently, it was two two doctor's appointments Per week, one echo every week, mm. um, and but an important question that I referred to the doctor. It was like that he feel any pain, and the doctor said no. He's not feeling any pain. That while he's in the womb, it's his. That is his safe place. Um, I heard that the doctor's words, and I was more settled and at ease. My doctor was incredible and very honest with me from the beginning, so I trust the sincerity of his and swearing, myself to enjoy this pregnancy to its fullest. I enjoy Mm -hmm. every moment to being pregnant and having a a high-risk pregnancy was my weakness to embrace this happiness for as long as I could. Mm -hmm. To pamper this unborn bundle who had, at that time, already filled my life with so much joy. Mm -hmm. To smother with love what I can only describe as a privilege and blessing to carry a baby. Having it any other way that is carrying a day after day with sadness, grief, guilt, anguish, and denial I feel will have caused my baby more more Worse damage than the original diagnostics itself. That's why I prefer to be happy and enjoy it. We were referred to a support call, called Angel Babies, whose who, purpose is um, in the program, it's designed to support families, families like us unborn child It's being diagnosed with a terminal condition and they offer assistance during the pregnancy and ideas of creating loving memories we had deep conversations with them where we discuss other thoughts about where we going through they provide a warm environment yes for us when we were there with them. We had deep conversations where we discussed or thought about what are we going through. We were in a safe place to open in dialogue, to speak and be able to share our feelings without any innovation. The programs were wonderful, in fact, and somewhat impressed that we were handling or delicate situations with so much joy and faith, even when the time came to begin considering a funeral arrangement. I remember they asked us about if you wanted a cremation or a funeral, they give us all the information, and and it was it was a shock for me. I was happy, and I was like, no, this is not gonna bother me. But when they asked that squ- that question, I'm was I'm like, why are you asking me that question? My baby's still here. Uh, he's not dead. They also say they also gave us a paper with the informations for uh, con- for the funeral services, all the contacts there's around mm. near us. But at the end, at the end at the end of the day, I just blocked the possibility the possibility of of look for any place or any contact to call.
0: What I love about how you've been sharing, Paula, is just this reminder that even when our pregnancies become high risk, even when we're shown a diagnosis, even when we're shown like maybe a different path to motherhood than we've envisioned, it never once changes the love that we have for our baby that we're carrying. And that's so evident with everything that you've shared. In fact, when I hear you share, I, it almost seems like your love grew tenfold. You heard about his diagnosis and your heart said, I'm going to love him even more than I thought yeah. that I could. And so it's just beautiful to hear just the expansion in your heart and even just the way that you talk about him is just such a tenderness and such that mama bear, but with such with such a heartbeat of joy and affection and I have no doubt that Mateo is thriving today because he felt that love, from the very moment that he was conceived, and so um, I'm just in awe of that. With what you've been sharing, and it's um it's beautiful.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, I was feeling like, like I needed, I needed to live that pregnancy in the better and mm-hmm. in, in the better way possible, because. At my age, I'm not like very old, but I'm not a youngest little girl that can be pregnant like easily so right. i was I was convinced that I need to enjoy it everything every second because I don't know if I'm gonna mm-hmm. be able to to relieve again the feeling of having a baby mm-hmm. in my womb yeah.
0: So maybe we can, from here then, talk a little bit about his delivery and his arrival into the world. Um, I'm sure with some of your high-risk pregnancy appointments, they kind of prepared you somewhat for this is what we hope his delivery looks like. So at that point, were you anticipating a NICU stay, or was that still something that hadn't quite crossed your mind yet?
2: We hadn't. an advisory and counseling before the the delivery. They give us a tour through the, the whole scenario in the NICU. And it was my first time there. And I was calm, mm-hmm. I was zero nervous. And I was signing the permissions to transfer him to the NICU in case they need it. Mateo came Mm. to this world through a C-section at 39 weeks. My husband was with me the entire time Mm. without missing a step. And Mm. I have to say that he is my rock. He is Mm. my foundation and i can imagine to i can I can imagine how it's going to be to pass through the through these very traumatic scenarios by myself i couldn't have done without my husband on my side I remember the day of the delivery. Everything was planned and very organized. But I couldn't dismiss that feeling of uncertainty, uncertainty from my mind. We have been told early in the pregnancy to raise the possibility that the baby may not make it the full term that maybe the baby passed while in my womb or that the baby may not to be strong to survive on his own once out of the womb. Um, I never forget a person right there her name was mary brooke she's retired right now so she's not more at the hospital but she was like an angel for us especially for me she was the uh, clinical nurse educator labor and delivery and high risk at the medical center Uh, that's a long time right (laughs) Uh, well, yeah, like, wow. yeah, but you can add the the title, the word "angel," because she was like yeah. an angel for me. Aside from the doctor, she was the next the next person in charge into the living room. But more important more importantly, her words and her Presence give me tranquility to enter the operation room with confidence and peace peace of mind. She embraced me an incredible hug while I get my anesthesia. She whispered words of strength and encouragement in my in my ears. I remember her kissing my forehead while mm-hmm. ensuring me that everything will turn out okay. She was wonderful and I firmly believe that she is an angel that God sent to give me peace for the sake of my baby. Mm. And, as, and as I that the delivery was well organized. Like several times they review the possibilities and the scenarios but there were no complications during the birth despite the potential outcomes we were told we couldn't expect but it was precisely for the reason for that reason that the delivery room had a medical staff from the NICU they ready to intervene and take the necessary actions to help him Life. As a result, I didn't see Mateo until the same day, or sometimes later. I didn't get the chance to hold him or kiss him. I didn't have the chance to breathe to breathe on his own sense to smell him or tell him how much I would love him. Mateo was rushed uh, to an awaiting area where he was triggered as expected. I was conscious about that can happen. But I didn't know if, I don't know, if that would be my only chance to meet my sons because I just saw him on the long distance. I didn't see him. And I prayed. And I prayed long and hard and repeating my mind the word the words to a song that is a Christian song. I used to sing while I was pregnant. <laughs> So, and I'm going to say one of those little words, but those little words was, those words were big for me. And it sounds like this. I'm not going to sing, but.
1: (laughs) You could, if you want to.
2: (laughs) No, thank you. No, (laughs) just in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) Here is the lyrics, I will wait into you. It's difficult, I know it is, but my heart is confident in you. I don't trust with the mind, I do it with my heart. And I will wait patiently, even as doubt torments me. I would trust you and in, in your providence. Those leaders give me a lots of strength. The the strength mm-hmm. I need in that moment. That I, I don't know what happened with Matteo in the other room. So, it was it was hard.
1: That is so touching. Thank you so much for sharing that. And and also so beautiful to know I the. I think a lot of moms can identify with the, the feeling you had of um, you have no control over the situation, so there's nothing to do but pour yourself into faith and trust, and there's kind of this just peace while you wait. It's just happening around you, and there's, there's nothing you can do but wait and hope and pray, right? So it's, right. it's really beautiful how you articulated that so well.
2: Thank you. So
1: what was it like to meet Mateo for the first time?
2: Hmm. Mateo for the first time, it was not expected. But when I woke up in the recovery room, the NICU stopped by Mateo to me. And my heart is going to... It was almost exploded. Mateo was laying in an incubator, so I had a good look at him. Then he just stopped, helped position him so that I can hold him for a while. But he was wrapped in a very tight blankets. And I helped Mateo just for a few moments. I think I carried him just for a couple of seconds. Because I was under the effect of the anesthesia. I had a bad time with the anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you this. Mateo was born at 3.15 p.m. And as far I can tell, he looked absolutely perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Mateo had Mateo had a full head of hair I counted. Ten fingers, ten toes, um, mm-hmm. and he was a lot bigger and heavier than they expect. <laughs> it was confirmed by the scale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that his weight was it's seven pounds four ounces, and it it turns out that Matteo was working on overcoming superior odds while he was in the Mm -hmm. womb many yeah yeah it was it was unbelievable the doctors also were so impressed with the weight (laughs) because a week before he was (laughs) yeah a week before he was five pounds and at the moment of the the moment (gasps) of the delivery he yeah he weighed seven pounds four ounces we know, we don't wow. know how that happened. <laughs> yeah. Wow, incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, it turns like completely different scenario because many of the health concerns appear to be relieved. I didn't see Mateo and I, I didn't see him until the following day. But my angel right there, Mary Brooke, she took pictures of pictures, a lot, bunch of pictures of Mateo. She printed oh. them and she shared with me. Oh, I was, that's so yeah, special. that's what I say. She was my angel there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when finally I did see him, it was, incredible. I hugged him, kissed him. I couldn't stop touching him, watching him head to (laughs) toes, feeling his little toes, his hands. I held him close to me as often as I could, giving him that skin to skin contact that he so much deserved mm. and but holding him was not a n- not a simple task i had to work around a lot of cables that ran from his chest and monitoring his vitals and all these weird things in the hospital for us because we don't know what's going on right Um, uh, he at first he had a cannula for oxygen only because he was a little trouble breathing he born with a small chest cavity, that's why he was he was uh, how can I say he was trouble breathing. He was forcing into to fill his lungs. So I did my best as I as I can. Right there. With him, for him, and I was worried about to pull it off any of those cables. (laughs) I remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: How long was Mateo stay in the NICU, and you know what were some of his triumphs and setbacks while he was there?
2: Mateo were there for four months in the NICU, the doctors were reluctant to give us any kind of short or long outlook because they don't know for how long he's going to live. It was a waiting game in which patiently is definitely a virtue. With the assistance of the medical ter- technology and, and the staff interventions, Mateo's condition was stable, but it was just for that moment because we don't know until the next day. We don't know until the afternoon or, yeah, we don't know. It was very apparently that he will not survive on his own. So this was the he was this was marking the beginning of Mateo' residence in the NICU. Mateo's condition is very rare, so even the doctors they didn't know what to expect it felt like we were walking in a darkness without a guiding line mm-hmm. Mateo's health I know Mateo's health was in a good hands I know they were the most skilled people I ever met I know that Matteo Mateo need them. They were caring professionals who cared and chose the health professional because they wanted to put the patient needs before anything else. And Mateo deserved to receive the best care possible and he did because they saved his mm-hmm. life for several times I was so humbled and grateful to have all, all those people right there caring for him because if it's not was for them maybe he will ne- he will not be here
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. And Paula, what was Matteo's official diagnosis? Was it the same that they had suspected when he was in your womb, or was it something different when he was born?
2: No, he was uh, diagnosed until he born, because in the womb they make a lot of a lot of tests but. I just stopped the test until they said I need an amniocentesis, but it was the risk for the baby and I would not take any Mm -hmm. risk. Um, And I Mm -hmm. say no until he born. So at first I felt like there were more setbacks than Trump's,
1: Mm.
2: Mateo except most expectations just by being born but his condition was critical was bad and as I mentioned earlier many issues that raised the concerns in his early diagnosis just vanished he was not breathing without support the effort of the cannula, they were not something that helped him. It was helping him. So they changed to a pop machine. And believe me, but Mateo was not happy having a mask on his face.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because...
2: Yeah, it was not... I don't think any baby likes it, right? Right. Um, mm. Yeah, we had to continue to monitor, monitor Mateo's progress, his growth, his lab results, and allow time to take his course before it could be decided what happened next. And at some mm. point, at some points during the waiting game, the result of Mateo's genetic study just came back. They identified that um, Mateo is having a skeletal dysplasia or a type of dwarfism that is called Niest syndrome that affects bone growth which explain his short arms and legs and more specifically he has a mutation in of the gen. it's called sorry i'm going to say it it's COL2A1 gene so that has type 2 collagenopathy or abnormalities in the synthesis of collagen so in, and i'm like what just a moment, what is this? The collagen is in the whole body. So, right. if you have lack of collagen, what's going on? What, what's going to happen with your body? What's going to happen with your grown, where you're everything in your body, right?
0: Uh, right.
2: And since collagen is an structural component for skin and other constructive. Tissue that maintains the form of the body and its organs, like the lungs. We had no idea how these mutations will affect Matteo's development. Nies syndrome it's a very rare type of dwarfism, adding to the challenges that we are already facing. After a few weeks with the CPAP. Mateo was becoming more agitated and the doctors were not optimistic with the rate of his progress. They began suggesting the likeness of putting Mateo on a ventilator and the idea of my baby on a ventilator terrified me. Honestly, immediately I was like, I can't. How I can't? I don't have the slightest clue. The doctors painted a very clear picture of us and presented us three real scenarios. One, it was performing a tracheostomy and put him on the ventilator, will be the fastest way to go. The number, the second one was Mateo was already bigger than the other children in the NICU. So, and he was quickly outgrowing the CPAP. So, he wouldn't have mm. to wear a, a mask that covered his entire face. So, not just his noise, his face, completely face. It was explaining to us that options was temporarily only, and uncomfortable, an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable situation in solution to the problem. That eventually his health will take turn over words and those life-saving presentative measures could cause more harm than good. And finally, the number three or third options with tears down my face, I heard as they present us with the option of disconnecting the machines and put Mateo's life in God's hands, mm-hmm. uh, and told us if that and told us if that if hope to to have Mateo home, it will be on a ventilator, but not define for how long he will live. So it was not answers there for us. As the day passed, we felt inclined to agree with the doctor's assessment. And start planning or nest that on on the afternoon of sep- September. Not, I'm sorry, on the afternoon of October 26 of 2018, Mateo was prepared and taken to the operation room. Within two hours, or being well off, we were able to see Mateo. In the, de- in the recovery room. He was the same little angel only now he had a dose attached tubes strapped to his neck. He had his trach. No mention that he had his YouTube tube also. It took some time to assimilate how in the span of two hours the course of a life can be completely changed. The perspective of knowing that where Mat- Ever Mateo went a 20 pounds my chins will be no more than 5 feet away from him, pumping, beeping, alarming, mm-hmm. keeping my baby alive by maintaining constant flow of air through his lungs. As for us, as his parents, the initial shock was not being able to hear his voice. And mm-hmm. it is an awkward sensation to see your baby crying and not hear a whispering song. Mm. There was a quite a bit to get used to an And be, it became very apparent very quickly that we had a lot a lot of learning to do hmm. really the reality we just came back quickly really quick said in, in what we really need to become Mateo's primary's health cares. His nurse, his respiratory therapists and technicians. We're gonna be all everything for him. Every time you can imagine with that a certification, a real one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we need to trained to use those medical equipment but that was not the only thing that we just facing because after the surgery we didn't know why but Mateo started to have an oxygen desaturation episodes very frequently at first doctors they thought they were bronchospasins. Mateo just started crying and his lips turned turned purple, his face Mm. too and his whole body until he passed out multiple times. Mm. There were a few times when they need to resuscitate him. Those moments where the moments when I do not know where God's plans was taking us or Mm -hmm. what he wanted to show us I will say to myself it's my fate as a strong and as firm as I believe it to be questioning these trials hmm. most of all God's purpose. So at first when I was pregnant I was praying for his life. Every day. After he was born, I just I was praying for his healing. I was thankful for his life and continue to praying i would kneel of god feed, pleading for Matteo. but seeing the multiple resuscitations and how he was struggled to stay in this world i offer my son to him i told god that mateo's life is in his hands. I told him Mateo is yours it will break my soul but I would accept it we didn't know if God is will show us how to die in his grace and mercy or whether He will show us a miracle a miracle my feelings through God were like that because even with the trach and a ventilator mateo was not given a chance a chance of life doctors they didn't know how to short or long a life he will have without or with the band So one day I just arrived to the NICU and they were ready to transfer him to the PQ and I'm like, no, where are you going with my son? No. So I was in shock. (laughs) Uh, That was my first reaction. Shock. Because they know about his episodes and how fast they came, and what to do with him. We didn't know what to expect in the in the PQ. And anyway, they transfer him to the PQ. We don't know what to expect in the in the PQ. Mateos episodes were incontrovertible uncontrollable once in the PQ he had three episodes Mm. the same night but at the very next morning one of the doctors discovered the cause of the episodes with an emergency bronchoscopy he discovered that his trache was very small for his trachea. So every time hmm. he moved, or cried, the episode will start. Now his wow. his trache, uh, it's custom. And we were seven long days for the new one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They found the way to position his trach correctly so that it, would, it wouldn't collapse once again. Everybody took care of him very closely so that he wouldn't move that much. And finally the trach arrived and I can say Matteo never had an episode again. Wow, yeah. those—that days... is a
0: huge yeah. revelation. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure your heart was like so relieved.
2: Yeah, I was relieved, and I'm like, doctor, but we need to position him in another in another way because we want to see if the tray is the correctly. So I was nervous about it, but <laughs> no, I'm so happy that he never had an episode like that never wow. no more
0: wow
2: yeah that was our story there those seven terrorific days trying to having a baby without a, a movement <laughs> yeah they not they not know, considering yeah. they not considering the sedation but they they put something uh, underneath the trach, so now the trach can be in the right position. Mm. Yeah.
0: Wow. So after the trach was the correct size and position, was it soon after that you guys were discharged or was there a long period of time before Mateo was able to go home?
2: Actually, it was, it was the discharge was fast, fast. On December thirteen of two thousand eighteen, uh, and at the same days, Mateo turns the his four four month uh, four months old. Yes, finally we came home. Wow. Yeah, it was the wow. day of a new start, of course, but. With all the happiness in the world. I remember mm-hmm. the day he came home, he slept until the next day. He already felt home. <laughs> I think it was like wow. one more week after the, the new trach. Yes, we came home after a week.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. And what was it like coming home? Was it? I know you said he felt like home. Did it feel like the same for you? Was it nerve wracking? Now also, you know, caring for his trach and you know how how was it for you and your family?
2: My feeling was happy, and at the same time, I was thinking like, what if? some of those episodes came back what if we had an emergency mm-hmm. what if we, if we don't get to the hospital on the right time it was scared to carrying all the equipment but we start to processing everything we start to realize or reality. I remember when we came home, our home became our new mini-NICU. So, right. yeah. yeah. And we became his primary care primary healthcare care providers. The process of healing for me stars since the first day we were home. Not to say that it was easy because as he came he became a trach band dependent. He needs two persons to watch him during the day and during the night two during the night. That means 24-7. That is not easy. It's easy to say but not to put on in someone's hand yeah. it becomes delicate balancing act adjusting Mateo's schedule or lack of sleep and raising a teenager was a big big challenge mm-hmm. for us because you know teenagers are teenagers and the feelings yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were Everywhere. But being home, knowing that my baby was home with me every day, every night, to give him a bath with my own hands, mm-hmm. that he can freely sleep, to see his brother care for him. To see his brother like losting the fear of caring and holding his brother then knowing that my family was completely to hug him, kiss him when I wanted to to have the opportunity mm-hmm. of enjoying every second. Next to him was my, was my, can I can say, my medicine. Mm. My happiness, my heart was full. Of course, there were some, a lot of troubles. I was so happy, but we have a reality on the side. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to lie when I look back to the difficult times we passed in the NICU it's difficult difficult to remember what my warrior my family and I faced there But, but I needed to recognize that it's part of me and I like to remember that I like to have present the fact of the reality we went through because that remembrance makes me it and grateful and how blessed we are. For me the simple fact of being able to see him is to be grateful for another day of his life. Mm-hmm. Secondly I am very grateful and very thankful to my family for always being by my side and la- and lastly but not least I like to extend a warm thank you to their for validating my feelings mm-hmm. because before meeting this community I was unaware that healing called could be a lifelong process I don't know that before
0: Yeah.
2: I just feel guilty holding on to the feelings the trauma producing me but this community helped me helped me a lot to reassure me that it was completely feeling okay to feel that yeah and to crying it doesn't matter what other things about it. I don't, I don't care it. If you think your baby is okay, but because you're not living what I live there, you're not living every day with a child that they don't know for how long it's gonna live, and I accept it like that. And I live it like that. And I don't live in everything thinking about he's gonna die the next day. And Derniki Mama showed me that it's okay to feel like that. Mm. Thank you so much, girls.
0: Paula. Now I'm crying over here. I just want to reiterate that the Dear Nikki Mama community is so special because it's made up of amazing moms like you.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: And so it's truly, (laughs) it's truly an honor to have the opportunity to connect with moms like you who have walked through fire, who daily face a diagnosis that we may not know a lot about still. But your love never wavered. Um, we have a poem that says, "No matter the curveballs or forks in the road, your love never wavered, and great courage was shown." And I see that throughout your story, um, and again, it's just this. This community is so special because moms like you are a part of it. And um, you're right, healing is lifelong <laughs> for all of us. Um, How could it not be? These are our babies. These are our everything. And as they grow and as we navigate um, their lives, like it will always, the NICU will always be a part of us. And so, um, thank you for reminding our moms listening that that can be true for them. And what I also heard you say so beautifully is just that grief and joy can coexist, that they can happen at the very same moment, in the very same breath. And so I'm just so grateful for the permissions that you're giving to to us as the co-host, but also <laughs> to the community of moms listening. And so thank you for those reminders as well.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for honoring me, for honor me, for give me the chance to express my feelings through this podcast.
0: Well, I would love to end this episode with. Just hearing a little bit about how Mateo is thriving today. Um, We'll make sure to link in the show notes your Instagram so that moms can follow and see the cutest pictures you'll ever see. But we'd love to hear from you. Mateo is four. We had the chance to meet him on the camera, and he is way cuter in person. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how that's possible, but he's even cuter um, when he says his little name. So we would love to just hear a little bit about how he is thriving today and um, you know what he's been up to and the, the mountains he's been climbing
2: oh thank you mateo's flourishing marvelous like you say he's <laughs> just turned 4 years old and we're very mm-hmm. pro- very proud of him we're incredibly mm-hmm. grateful for all his progress It's incredible The doctors also observed him and expressed the same amazement because we went from Mm -hmm. having no expectation of life and have made made it this far. Mateo recently started walking by himself, he's no longer on the ventilator, he's speaking beautifully.
0: Yes, he is.
2: Wow. English. Yeah, he speaks Spanish, English, and in sign language too. Wow. He's, He's making huge advance eating by mouth. Wow. We need to get a sleep study done and discuss the results and considering consider the possibility of decannulation we are excited with john wards honestly we i don't know how all this progress happened so fast so quickly i don't know how is he's speaking like that so his fish therapy is like uh, I don't mind. One day he yeah. said that Mateo is the reason that why he became a, a speech therapist.
1: Wow. He cannot
2: believe that Mateo speaks that loud and and correctly because it's, now I can say that is not normal.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wow so we're so grateful for that yeah
0: that is so beautiful and it's so fun to see him thriving like I said on your Instagram and just seeing him grow up and your family growing and he's he's so perfect he's beautiful
2: oh thank you so much
0: Well, and lastly, Paula, what encouragement would you give to other NICU moms or other moms who have medically complex kiddos?
2: First, I wish I can give you NICU mom and every NICU mom a huge hug. Mm. As a strong embrace to hold on to. To accompany them in this emotional journey and let them know that they are not alone through this. My message to all their NICU mamas. To keep the light of hope and faith shining bright. Even when it seems that the day is at its darkest your little miracle it's here with you and your baby needs you and it's all your love all your strength all your courage keep looking forward with joy even when you feel de- defeated you are one day closer to going home their NICU mom I hope you know how special you are.
0: Beautiful. Okay. And Paula, I don't mean to put you on the spot, so you can say no to this if you want, but your your first language is Spanish, and I just want to say you have done a phenomenal job speaking in English today, <laughs> and so thank you for, no, really, thank you for taking the time to do that. I, I, want, I wonder if you would be willing to say your encouragement also in Spanish. I think it would be really beautiful to um, any of our Spanish-speaking moms to be able to hear that encouragement in their first language as well. Would you be open to that?
2: Of course, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Love the idea. Yes.
0: Okay, beautiful. Well, then uh, to close officially then, I would love for you to just kind of repeat that encouragement that you just gave, but but given in Spanish so that we can honor our Spanish-speaking moms too.
2: Okay. Um, primero quiero decir a todas las mamás de NICU que me encantaría darles un abrazo, un abrazo que que se quede con ustedes, que los acompañe en este en este camino emocional en el que están pasando por este momento y que sepan que no están solas mi mensaje para ti mamá en el NICU es que sigas teniendo esperanza que sigas teniendo ese brillo aún en los días que se miren más oscuros cuando no encuentres una luz en el camino más allá Sigue teniendo ese brillo que está en ti. Tu pequeño milagro está aquí, está contigo y te necesita. Necesita de todo tu amor, de todo tu coraje y de toda tu fuerza. Sigue buscando esa felicidad. Alcánzala por tu tu milagro. Tú estás probablemente un día más cerca a llegar a ir a casa. Mamá en el NICU, espero que tú sepas lo especial que tú eres. Te mando otro grande abrazo que llegue a tu corazón.
0: Oh, that was so beautiful. Oh
2: my goodness.
0: Thank you. Now I wish you would have recorded your whole yeah, episode it. in Spanish just so I could hear your beautiful voice. <laughs> that was so beautiful. Well, Puyola, we are so grateful and honored to first have you part of this community. I mean it when I say that you are a special part of this sisterhood and it's been A joy to follow you on instagram for so many years now and see mateo grow up and um, see you continue to become the best mom for him and so we are just so grateful for you and really also secondly just so grateful that you shared your story today Um, we again just want to honor the bravery and courage it takes to relive some of those early moments of your motherhood journey and um, you shared it with such vulnerability and beauty and grace and it was, it was stunning. So thank you for giving us a front row seat today and for sharing your story with us. And to, to all of our NICU moms listening here, we just want to reiterate that um, you are the best mother for your baby and your love moves mountains for them. And so today we just continue to acknowledge the, the courage it takes to be an, a NICU mom and all that that entails. And we hold space for both your grief and your joy healing is lifelong and you are never alone on this healing journey. So mamas, we love you. We're so grateful for the sisterhood and we will be back with you guys next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast.
1: If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages
0: or a private Facebook group. And ultimately, Miniki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.